0: this is Recover Like a Mother. Today's episode is being brought to you by You Are Not Alone, the membership that's waiting for you to uncover your true self. You can find out more information over at recoverlikeamother.com forward slash membership. Let's get into the show. Welcome back, my friend. How are you on this beautiful day? You know, the sun is shining here in San Francisco, and I am so fortunate to share this time with you. Thank you for tuning in and listening once again. I have the opportunity to share Maggie Landis with you. She is a public health nutritionist, an anti-diet advocate, and a cancer survivor, all wrapped up in a bundle. She is a mother. I'm really excited to share her with you. Welcome to the show, Maggie. Thank you, Lane.
1: I'm just thrilled to be here. Yes. Those are some of the most important things about me that you listed. So Uh,
0: amazing. Amazing. I mean, each one by itself is amazing. Put them all together. It's like winning. (laughs) Well, women
1: are amazing. All women are amazing. You know, we all have a story. That's just what you said is my story.
0: This is true. So Maggie, where are you coming from in the world? Where are you at right now?
1: I'm at? in Texas. I'm in Central Texas, a little bit north of Austin, and spent most of my life in Texas. I've moved around a bit with my schooling and and sorts of things like that, but mm-hmm. I'm coming to you from the Lone Star State.
0: The Lone Star. The
1: Lone Star.
0: And how many kids do you have?
1: I have two kids. I have a daughter who is 13. She's in the seventh grade, and my son is 10. He's a fourth grader. So,
0: oh my God, I've got
1: the variety pack. And I'm learning a lot about the early teenage parenting. I'll tell you what,
0: it's <laughs> so, not for the not for the week. It is not for the week. I can't even imagine having a daughter, a, th- a, a teen daughter. I probably would be six feet under the ground right now. So I am always impressed when I hear mothers with daughter teenage teenage daughters, particularly almost like, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know what to do. Like I can barely handle my son, but I'd another female in the house i would just be out of my mind <laughs> yeah she's a good kid i learned a lot
1: from her we you know we learn a lot from each other we're so but when the oldest no matter if it's a son or daughter your oldest child is sort of like a science project really <laughs> yes because <laughs> you you know we're all winging it when it comes oh, down to it you know so especially true. with the oldest kid oh,
0: it's so true every it's day like practice yeah yes exactly. every day and especially during this time right now that we're living through in this pandemic every day it's it's brand new. So you had your kids and your mom, you're in Texas. I want to get into this anti-diet thing. I think this is really interesting and because I am a biohacker of about 20 years and super nutrition oriented forward, really a leader in that space for a long time. And I, you know, this is just a struggle constantly for women. You know, we yes. it's so. Let's get into your story. Like, what brought you to this work? And let's, yeah, let's unwrap, unwrap that. Un- unpack
1: bit. that a little. Yeah. Well, okay, and it ties into my cancer story. So let me put, let me, perfect, uh, you know, close that link for you a little bit. I I've been a physician for almost 19 years, almost 20 years. In Really, just sort of always wanted to be a doctor. I mean, since I was little bitty, when you pick, you know, what you want to do when you grow up, and the choices are like, you know, ask a first grader, and they're either going to be a doctor, a police officer, an astronaut, teacher. There's only like about five professions. So uh, I just stuck with it, I guess, (laughs) out of, I don't know, sheer bullheadedness or whatever. And I'm very happy with my clinical practice. I I practice pediatrics. I love uh, the idea of sort of transforming families by, you know, the access point with the kids and the involving the parents. But what happened was I got diagnosed with lymphoma about a month after my 40th birthday, which now mm. is coming up on five years ago. And what I decided to do, I've always liked food and nutrition and, and mm. you know, had a sort of peripheral interest in that. But I decided to do like a real deep dive on studying nutrition because I was sure in my little sciencey clinical doctor brain that there was a perfect way to eat. I was gonna find it because I needed to figure it out because I don't wanna die is what it came down to. Because when you almost die, you spend all of your energy trying to then find ways to not die, <laughs> you know, to say it sort of really transparently. So I started reading and I'm in mean reading, like reading books, going to conferences, reading journal articles, like a lot of stuff. And I realized how little I had learned in my medical training about nutrition. I mean, and when I say little, I mean almost none. And if that's horrifying to your listeners, it probably should be. Doctors get very, very, very little training.
0: Isn't it you get like one semester or something like that? Oh no, ma'am. It's one not class even a semester. or it, I it's remember waiting. Like, I don't
1: I think the requirement or something is like. 24 hours. And I mean, mm. I mean, literally not credit hours, I mean hours, right. right. but it's not even that most schools don't even do that. And, and I will say that the amount that I did get was really, really focused on the super granular, like taking care of nutrition in hospitalized ICU patients. You know what I mean? It wasn't about like, here's some people at the grocery store and they want to know what to put in their basket. What do you tell them? It wasn't right. It wasn't that conversation at all. So anyway, so let me just fast forward here. So I'm, I'm realizing this is horrifying. This is really horrifying. Like basically what I've been telling patients with my white coat on as a professional is just a shade better than hearsay, truthfully. And, and I have to admit that a lot of what I was saying was my own sort of, personal opinion, because that's what we were left with and not to throw the doctors under the bus, we don't get any training, we're steeped in this diet culture messaging because we are adults that grew up in the 80s 90s whatever. And now we're put in a environment that really doesn't facilitate open conversation about, yep. you know, overeating and, and weight stabilization and all these things, we're like have seven minutes apiece in our patients. I mean, we, yep. we've been talking longer than seven minutes already right here. So, you know, it goes to say that it's just, it's not set up for success. So here's what I did. I did what every good woman does is they doubt themselves first. And I said, you know what? It's probably me. I'm the, I'm the outlier. I must have missed something. Certainly in the year 20, you know, 19 or whatever, they're telling professionals something else about nutrition. They're not just repeating the diet narrative. Certainly. So guess what I did? I went back to grad school because that's the kind of person I am. I go to grad school just out of curiosity and <laughs> my, my husband thinks that's bizarre, but you know, he's, he's not like that. So I go to grad school, you know, you can't go to medical school twice. So I said, well, I'll go to get a master's in nutrition. That's sort of like the closest I can get without repeating my education. Guess what? Horrifying, same crap, the same stuff. And I'm like, Oh no, it's 20 years have gone by and they are teaching and the people in my program are like people that are going to become dietitians and, you know, go into the nutrition science field and stuff. And they're teaching now the same thing that I heard 20 years ago.
0: How long ago was this Maggie? What uh, year?
1: I, well, I'm actually, I'm graduating in May. I'm finishing right now. So I started in 2018. So over the last three years, I've been doing oh this as a my. part-time student.
0: This is like right now, this is what they're still teaching you. And I
1: started, I started medical school in 1998. So literally 20 years. So 20 years. Okay. Yeah. And I'm, I'm reading this and I'm, I mean, I've got a textbook. I I wish I could show it to you here. That's uh, that's sitting on my desk was printed in the year 2018 and it's got the food pyramid in it (sighs) for the food pyramid from the seventies. No, no. So, okay. All this to say, this is where I got the little, you know, bee in my bonnet. Because I said, oh no, they, there's no way that, that we are basically just repeating a, a marketing message that has no right. scientific foundation and, and using it from a position of authority. When you go okay. see a doctor, a clinical nutritionist, a registered dietitian, I mean, they, they sort of command a little bit of respect, right?
0: Well, you know, it totally annoys me. I went into my son's pediatrician. This story is bringing, I'm getting a little emotional about this. (laughs) Well, it's my, I went into, my son was having these rashes, right? And she said, well, what's his diet like? And I said, well, you know, it's super clean. We're eating vegetables. We're, you know, like I'm, I'm very knowledgeable around food. And she said, well, how is he getting his vitamins? are you giving him a multivitamin every day? And I said, well, he gets a lot of nutrients. Like he gets you know, three times a day, this and three times a day, this. And she goes, well, are you giving him milk? That's really important to give him milk every day to build his bones. And I was like, you are so far off the chain right now. I have, I can't even talk to you anymore. I can no longer see you. And
1: do you know where she got that from? She didn't get it from reading an article about milk. She got it from probably milk is good with the milk mustache, milk commercial from 1987 or whatever.
0: Right. I no longer see her. I left Well, and not to even
1: blame her. She probably has no idea. She, she probably got her three hours of nutrition in her medical school training too. It's it's really scary. And it's scary. I'm I'm not trying to blame anybody or put guilt on anybody, but I think the conversation needs to happen that doctors don't necessarily understand nutrition or food or eating or the psychology of weight or fat phobia or any of those things. And so that's kind of my whole thing. So I have to say that my, you know, cancer recovery, had I not had cancer and let's just put it that way. If had I not had cancer and done that independent study or whatever you want to call it, I would probably be in a pediatric office right now, you know, telling you to give your kid milk and handing out pictures of the food pyramid. I really just think I I that gift of cancer was given to me for a reason because I've got something to share. I have a message. And this is now what I'm doing. So I've basically transitioned my whole clinic and my whole career trajectory to, you know, let people understand that it's okay to talk about food and eating and to, and to love it. And it's okay that we have, you know, different abilities and different body shapes and different interests and different points of access. True. I mean, it's also, I think a lot of the recommendations doctors make are not done maliciously, but they are done from a perspective of sort of privilege, you know,
0: you have lymphoma. Mm -hmm. I'm just kind of like, I know this is too much, right? (laughs) I'm like, whoa, and there's uh, layers. There's layers, Maggie. Wait, There's a lot of layers. There's a lot of layers because I'm thinking, okay, so this was not that long ago. Your diagnosis, no, 2017, January of 2017. Right. So you get this diagnosis, you go down the rabbit hole. Your kids are under the age of 10, right?
1: Correct. Correct. I mean, they were
0: were six and nine when I got that right there is super stressful right? Mm -hmm. Your partner, what, what are they doing? Stressing? (laughs)
1: Stressing. Well, and see, that's the really, that's another interesting point. And I don't want to interrupt you, but my husband at the time, I'm in a second marriage. My husband at the time was deployed with the army. So he was not even here while I was going through cancer treatment. And you know, who helped out my mother, of course helped, but Mm -hmm. my ex-husband and his new wife helped. What? Oh yeah. (laughs) I mean, like stepped up big time and this just, you know, relationships are what you make of them, you know, and, and they did what was the right thing to do and brought the kids to the hospital to see me and dropped them off. And then they would leave and come back and get them an hour later or whatever. So I'm just a big believer in, you know, treating people with sort of an optimistic, Yeah. View, like giving somebody the benefit of the doubt until they have proven that they don't deserve it. Mm. You know, really knowing that people are most people are fundamentally good. Yes. And I think that's important. Yeah. You know, because there's so much judgment, so much judgment against people's history or their lot in life, you know, and not to get too far off on that tangent. I've totally
0: so did you that's okay. So you're being you're being an N of one study did that help for any, and my listeners end of one is you basically being your own science experiment. So is that what you did with your lymphoma? Or did you go through treatments? I mean, yeah, you went through treatment. I went
1: through all traditional, I mean, I was, I got chemo and and all the traditional sort of stuff. I didn't try to heal my cancer with, you know,
0: and since then, have Mm -hmm. you optimized your nutrition? Have you changed your lifestyle? Have you like,
1: I have, well, yes, I have, but I will say that I changed my attitude about food and nutrition, probably even more so than I changed like the actual, like what I'm eating or that sort of thing. Because like I said, it's just the diet. And I use that word diet culture. I hope you, you know what I'm talking yeah, about. I do. I yeah. that. It's, I'm not talking about a diet, like a branded capital D diet. I'm talking about just this message that you have to constantly think you're not good enough until you're smaller or playing mm-hmm. by somebody else's rules. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what we're saying. And that's the part that I've been able to stop is yeah. sort of understand that. Yeah, I do things now in my diet and in my personal life to serve my body because I want to live long. I'd like to, you know, see my daughter have a baby someday. I'd like Mm -hmm. to, you know, do these things, not because, Oh, it's almost swimsuit season. And I've got Mm -hmm. to, you know, look better in my family's Christmas picture or whatever the Mm -hmm. motivate, the motivation is all about whether or not you're going to have success. Right. And there's something about as we age,
0: let's just be honest here. As we age, we start to look differently, right? We start, and there is a vanity metric that most women because of society has, we have that pressure. So when you talk about diet, I'm also thinking about that pressure of the look good. We got to keep that look good. And so what do we do to keep that look good? And for someone in recovery, like myself, like it is really the self-care. So I—that's what I'm hearing from you. Yes, is like you're changing the way that you're living because you want to see your daughter have a baby.
1: Right. Well, right? and here's the here's the real the nerd of me is that these <laughs> yeah. things are all connected. And you, I'm sure you understand this, Lane. It's, you know, your mental and emotional health actually affects your physical body, like in a very molecular sense. And we want to talk about that now. But so by serving, no, we can
0: talk about that now. My ladies yeah.
1: love this. Okay, they love this kind of nerd yeah, you stuff.
0: You can get in there and get nerdy. Go for yeah, it.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it all is related. And this is another piece that, that sort of traditional doctors don't get a lot of training in is really, we learn all this. Like we learn about neurotransmitters and this and the autonomic nervous system and ah, blah, 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 cortisol, whatever. But putting it all together on what the influences are on those, you know, internal mechanisms. If if you go around hating your body, distressed about what to eat, feeling left out, socially isolated because you're avoiding events because there's food that you're not quote supposed to have or all this sort of stuff that is literally raising your cortisol level, which is actually raising your blood sugar, which is actually making you insulin resistant, which might actually be a risk factor for you developing a chronic disease that you're trying to avoid by restricting your diet right? And so any theoretical benefit of the dietary restriction that you think is, you know, sort of good or advantageous, you're undoing it all if it's not in alignment with your own values and your own life. Mm -hmm. So that's my whole thing is I want, I want to not disregard nutrition and the advantages of a diverse, you know, whole food kind of diet and that sort of stuff. But this like complete scrutinizing, self-sabotaging arrangement that we have where, you know, and I, your, your audience is women. And if they're between the age of 20 and 80, which I assume most of them are, I can tell you they are in diet culture, you know, period. That's it. There's yeah. not, it's like the fish in the water. Like you don't mm-hmm. even know you're there because you're already there. Yeah. <laughs> and it really, so when I was a teenager, I was a teenager, like in the eighties. Right. And so I, and I didn't have a, you know, weight problem or I'm doing air quotes. I didn't have any mm-hmm. particular reason to diet. I just did because it was 1986 and that's what you do. Yeah. Like you, that was like normative. It was just called eating. That's like what you did because that's what all your friends did, because that was what you thought becoming a woman was, mm-hmm. was to restrict your food and think right. about it all the time.
0: Right. Like I, I had an apple and a cheese stick. Right. Yes. Like that was Probably my lunch. That
1: low fat, the low right. fat yeah. cheese stick but that you couldn't melt in a, a nuclear furnace. If you tried.
0: horrible, horrible, <laughs>
1: right. That's like the worst you invention wild. ever fat free cheese. That's, That's just the worst. You might as well just not eat cheese. I Seriously.
0: accidentally got it for my son. They had the, the low, whatever that cheese yeah. and the regular. And I, gra- I didn't even, I just grabbed it. Yeah. Like I did. He was like, I'm never eating cheese again. <laughs>
1: It's, it's like, so it's like weird. a, yeah, exactly. And you can't melt it either. It's like, there's some sort of chemical, you so know, whatever, bad. but yeah, exactly. Your point though is we did it. And I presume you probably did sort of the same thing. You did it because it was like socially normative, yes. just yeah. not because of any necessarily a
0: reason. Just right.
1: we didn't even call it dieting. I think we just called it eating.
0: Like- it was just life. It was just life. but for me, I mean, it was my career as well. I modeled. So for me, it was even oh, like yeah. tenfold. Right. Oh, it, I yeah. mean, that's why the drugs and the alcohol came in.
1: Yes. Well, and so, if you have a, like, you know, people in performing arts, people yep. that are in those aesthetic type sport.
0: Yep. Oh, the sports. Gymnasts,
1: figure skaters. Yep. You know, and and unfortunately, you know, this, you know, we're talking to women. This is increasingly a problem for our our sons and our yes. young men too, especially if they're into, like the you know, fashion, and physique type thing. Anything that requires you know, physique type.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: sort of, I don't know what the word is just goals, the right. measures.
0: So uh, yeah. what do we do? Right. Like, what do we do? Like, you know, my ladies are vivacious and bright and they're in recovery, right. They're living, yes. they're trying to move towards living a more holistic life. So what are some of the things, what are practical ways that she can Say no to this because it is—it's everywhere. You know, cover the magazines. I go into the ma- into like the grocery stores now, and they have. Yeah. Oh you yeah. Know, you can't I, avoid I can't, it. You cannot no, avoid it. So, what are no, some of the can. things that she can do? Okay, so through her life
1: right some here's some real practical things is i'm not for or against any way of eating i you can if you want to be a vegan if you want to be a carnivore if you want to be a whatever that doesn't matter but here's what here's what's going to make all the difference is when you're buying your groceries or preparing your food or ordering at the restaurant what is the dialogue that's happening and that can be the dialogue out like actually out of your mouth with the people you're with or this might just be like an internal dialogue but look for words like when you're saying i should i need to i can't have i'm not allowed like those kinds of words okay that's that's when you have to pause and say where did that come from okay if you want to you know buy cauliflower rice and chia seeds ever and make something because you love it because it feels good in your body because it tastes good because it's a cultural thing for you whatever it is it needs, you need to own the motivation. You know, it's really about owning the motivation
0: and not share a story because I was thinking about, you know, this, the, the, the internal dialogue, right. The internal thing that happens. Right. So I'm going to share a story. My ladies know that I had a little problem with matcha. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, and at first the matcha, you know, L-theanine is in matcha, right. And I, my body, because I am an, and genetic optimization coach as well. So I look at the genetics in somebody and really kind of figure that out. So I was like, L-theanine, I need it. I love it, it's great. Okay, fast forward because of my addiction and the way that my recovery, like that works, I was having four matches a day. Yeah. And I was wired to the sky and I didn't even realize it, but the internal dialogue, oh, it's no big deal. It's no big deal, it's no big deal, right? No, no big deal, then fast forward, I don't know, eight months into this eight months that's in a lot I, of
1: matcha, eight a months lot later. of
0: matcha lots. Like I was spending, I can't even that's, talk about it. Okay. Yeah. So, but this is the thing I want to share with the ladies and our listeners and, and how this internal dialogue it's, it turned on me. Oh, you can't be drinking that matcha. Look at what you're doing to your body. It switched in a minute. So that's interesting. I went from, I love the matcha. And then I started getting that wired and tired feeling because I was drinking too much of it. And then it became, you can't be doing that. You can't drink that matcha. It's not good for you. It started beating me up, right? Uh So it became this negative interaction with my body. And then I started feeling bad. Yeah. So it's that internal Conversation. That That is the, that's what I think, you know, ladies, I want you to understand. It's like that internal dialogue that Maggie is talking about the shoulds, the needs. That's gotta go.
1: Well, yeah. And it's, it really, you know, what we eat physically, put in our mouth, on our plate is important. I'm not negating that. And I know you don't negate that either, Lane. That's like your whole concept. But, but the, this, I call it this lead up and hangover emotion because that's what it is, is this this lead up with like, yes. well, I should do this because I did this yesterday, or I'm going to do this, or I just read something or somebody told me, blah, 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 all this lead up. Then you eat the food. Okay. You eat the food, which is just a little tiny snippet of time. And then afterwards, then all the self beating up the, Oh, I shouldn't have done it. That was too much. Next time I'll do this. Blah. I'll never start. I'm starting again on Monday. How many freaking Mondays? Oh, Jesus. Monday? <laughs> it's almost Monday. So, you know, and And so if we just, if you did nothing about the actual food in the middle, in that little tiny window of time, but you could trim off that lead up and that like hangover, emotional, self-deprecating internal conversation, like you do such a huge service to not only the quality of your life, but Mm -hmm. the quality of your health too. Because as we said, they, they play together. And that's the hard part. We're so used to focusing on that little center point with yep. what's actually going on the fork. And really we need to stop, stop beating ourselves up about what we need to do, what we're about to do, what we just did. I mean, that's hard. And that goes beyond food, of course, you know, the whole yeah. guilt, guilt is bad in terms of moving us forward at all. It keeps us stuck. It's like yeah. an anchor.
0: In your research and your study and your schooling right now, do they go into uh, Dr. Emoto's work at all?
1: No, I'm not familiar with that.
0: Okay, so this is something fun rabbit hole you no, could go. Yeah, I love it. Uh, yeah. So Dr. Moto studied the the emotions of water and being able to talk down at water and seeing how the molecular structure changes.
1: Okay. That is super nerdy, and I love it.
0: Yeah. So think about the food, right? Think about the matcha that I was drinking. You know. Oh, this is so great. And I was loving it and it was filling me and I was feeling vivacious and then it switched. And I was like, Oh, this is horrible. Right. And then I'm putting that horrible negative,
1: right. Uh, the,
0: the, the and actual, actual chemical thing. Yeah. The thing. actual chemical structure changes from the talk that we have. Yeah. yeah. Check out his work. It's, it's like it's just epic.
1: Okay. I'm going to have to read that. Yeah, for sure. No, but that's it. That's it. It's we, yeah. The power of our perspective is totally fundamental (laughs) in the whole thing. And so that's what I like working on changing. And I tell people when I work with clients and my clients are, I would say exclusively women, except for I currently have one man client right now. So I don't want to discredit him, but my, you know, I, I, I feel more connected with women and they come to me. I said, listen, you don't need me to tell you how much. Iron is in a chicken breast. Like that's why we have Google. You know, you're not paying me. We're not having a problem based on lack of information. Nobody here, none of your listeners, have a problem accessing information. It is using it and making it relevant and realistic and staying motivated. And you know, that's what I. That's what I do. That's what you do. That's the right. whole. So that's the expert. Yeah.
0: If we have this practical tip of like being mindful, right. Being mindful of how we're talking to ourselves, right. That's one practical tip that she can take away. And what about, do you have her move? Do you have her active? Yes. Um, It's like, we don't want to shame our bodies and we don't want to, but we, we have to like, we have to take care of them. So what are some fun things that you're doing? Well,
1: And here's the fun thing. This is what I tell people all the time. I said, you know, we, really everything I say about food is a parallel conversation about moving your body. And instead of talking about diet, I talk about eating. And instead of talking about exercise, I talk about moving because it can look a lot of different ways. And um, I'm not a fitness expert. You know, I have, I do have some colleagues that work specifically in the anti-diet fitness space, which is such a cool little niche area, but it's about, Doing what feels good and serves you. So instead of this like, oh, I gotta go schlep on the treadmill to close my Apple Watch rings or something, oh, forget it. But here's like a tactical tip. Ask yourself, I mean, I'm talking to your listeners, right? What did you like to do when you were a kid? Mm. I mean, like, I mean a five, six, nine year old kid, whatever you can think of, okay? Like because we don't remember physical activity what we like to what we find joy in anymore. And we think that, if you're 45 years old that working out, I'm doing air quotes has to be on a treadmill or in a CrossFit class or something like that. It's what if you like swimming or dancing or riding a bicycle or playing uh, sand volleyball or what, I mean, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's a uh, looks a lot of different ways yeah. and those things all can serve your body, get your heart rate up, you know, all the, all the good benefits of movement. It doesn't have to be and you'll look forward to doing it, truthfully. You'll look yeah. forward to doing it if it's something you like doing. And if you have kids, your your audience or mothers do what they like to do. I mean, yeah. I'll go in the yard and play football with my son. You yeah. know, not he's way better than me at it, but <laughs> just even yeah. being outside, being present yeah. with him. And then you can, mm-hmm. you know, you can be with them and do stuff instead of just saying, well, mom has to go work out now. So you need to go do something else. And then I have mm-hmm. to do my own thing. It's like, you right. can- you know, and I'm not against people having their own space and having boundaries with your kids, of course, but think outside the box. Cause people sort of forget yeah. that it, there's not one way that it has to look.
0: Yeah. I know we get so stuck on, on that. Like I got to get on the spinning bike and do the Peloton or whatever. Right. I got to it. No, no. We last summer, my son and I discovered the fitness marshal. Do
1: fitness you know this Marshall? No, I'm oh, learning all sorts of
0: things today. Maggie. What does that mean? The fitness marshal is this fantastic human being on YouTube. He's a dancer. Oh, and we danced every day for like 60 minutes, 45 to 60 minutes a day. And it was the best way to share. I mean, here we are in the pandemic, right? But right. we would turn on the fitness marshal, and we would just,
1: that is it, cool. it was so
0: much fun and it brought him and I together. Oh yeah. But I got to move. Right.
1: Right. And
0: sweating, sweating,
1: sweating. Yeah. And guess what? He's going to remember that in 20 years.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's true. That's, true. you know, it's
1: not just like, he doesn't remember. Oh, my mom was always sitting on her Peloton because she (laughs) had to close her apple rings or whatever, you know, and I'm not against, I'm not bad mouthing Peloton, you know, but I'm just saying it doesn't pick something you like life's too short to do a bunch of things you don't really like. I mean, let's just pick something that you like. And then it, it becomes not so onerous, onerous. Is that the word? It's it's easy. I mean, it's like you look forward to it and then moving your body five days a week or whatever, you know, purposeful movement is not like a chore. It's like, Hey, that's cool. Today I'm going to do the fitness marshal, or I'm going to go, you know, whatever with my kids. So that's a real practical thing is and and also set yourself like give yourself small wins. We are all in for the big wins, us moms. Right. I mean, we want like the trophy. So we set these goals for ourselves, you know, and we're we're a little far removed from New Year's, but you know, New Year's is the time we all like to do that where we say, "Okay, January's coming. I'm going to work out 45 minutes a day and I'm going to drink all of this water and I'm going to pray and meditate and sleep 9 hours and all this sort of stuff." And you know what we're, we're setting ourselves up for really just a, we're setting ourselves up for failure is what it comes down to because we're setting the bar way too high and way too unrealistic. So what I say is this, you know, some people teach it like a minimum baseline or whatever, but I, it's like, give yourself what you know you can win. So Mm -hmm. if the, if the, if what you know, you can do is put on your tennis shoes and go outside for five minutes a day and that's it. And that's literally all you can absolutely commit to doing then commit to it. That's fine. And guess what? At the end of the week, you just got a 45 minutes of exercise or whatever. And yeah, small, small wins. And then next week, you know what, if you can do six minutes, great. But we go for, we are like all or nothing people. We're like all in. And if we can't meet that all in measure, then we're all out.
0: What was the last thing that you went all in on?
1: Oh my word. I go all in on so many things. Well, you know, that's interesting. I've I've done better with stuff, but I, you know, I'm more deliberate with my time. And I have to say that's a little philosophical, maybe, of what you're trying to ask, but I'm one I'm the yes person. I'm the yes, 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 overcommitting. Yes,
0: overcommitting. Oh,
1: <laughs> overcommitting. And so then the idea of like what I've because the guilt, it's all yeah. comes back to guilt. It's yeah. so I feel like I can't tell anybody no because I should, I should do this thing. I should interact with this person. I should, you know, But see, there's the should. There's the should. Should. Yeah. If you're using the should, have to, need to, that's not yours. That's somebody Mm -hmm. else's idea. So I've been a little more deliberate with Mm -hmm. my yeses, my selective yeses, because it gives them more power. You Mm -hmm. know, when there's white space around them, it gives them, it gives them power.
0: When you were, going through your treatment mm-hmm. and coming through that. Now you're in recovery.
1: Yeah, I'm in remission. I'm doing great.
0: Okay. Um, and do you have certain routines that you keep every day to keep your sanity? You know, I I
1: wish that I did have something that I could really be to be totally totally honest, I don't have anything that I do religiously every day. Yeah. I mean, yes, I try to drink enough water yeah. most days. And in most days I'm very successful. I try not to use a lot of electronics within like the last hour before I go to sleep. You know, I'm mostly successful, but I can't, I would be lying if I said, I'm like have an immaculate record with any one thing, but
0: yeah. it's hard.
1: Oh, it's hard. It's hard. And I think part of being able to do those things well is to give yourself a little bit of flexibility and give yourself yeah. a little bit of grace yeah. that it's not going to look perfect you know it's not going to look perfect I mean I told you right before we started recording this I'm in Texas so I was I was melting snow for drinking water three weeks ago right I mean let's be real so did that was I worried about like all the little details no I mean mm-hmm. we were that was like flat out survival <laughs> uh, which is really how I look at my cancer thing Mike when you have a a life-threatening thing like that mm-hmm. anything and, and anybody who's gone through any life-threatening experience no my be cancer whatever it is you realize when everything else is kind of stripped bare you have got your health yep or you don't have your health and that's it like that's it it, when i'm in the cancer place getting chemotherapy and in the i've spent 42 days in the hospital like nobody was asking me how much is in my 401k Right. Or whether my kids were on the honor roll or if my hedges in the front of my lawn were trimmed beautifully. It was like, I am literally trying to survive. And I know many of your listeners, if they're recovering from whatever that is, addiction, yep. eating disorder, mental health issues, yep. it's like you are in survival mode. That's it. And to give yourself the grace and acknowledge that it's taking everything to just survive.
0: Yeah.
1: And that's okay. And that's okay. And that you've got to do that first. You have got to do that first. All that other stuff is great and peripheral benefits, but you know what? It's, that'll come later. Yeah. If you don't survive, none of that matters. It won't, it won't matter. I mean, frankly, if you look at it from a real, you know, tactical perspective yep. Yep. and that's, that's hard though, because we are forward thinking, you know, you have these bright, motivated women minds. We're like tree shaker change makers. Yeah. And so we're always thinking like 10 miles in advance, which serves us well. And I think that's why, you know, we're the ones that remember to bring all the clothes on vacation. And we remember to feed the dogs and we remember to everybody's oil needs changed in their car and stuff like that. But we've got to just sometimes stop and acknowledge that like we are valuable and worthy right now. Mm-hmm. And we have to do whatever it takes to keep ourselves whole you
0: know, all the way down to a so true
1: survival mechanism. Yeah.
0: You know? So true. I it, being in recovery, it, that's first, right. Oh, you yeah. have to take care of yourself and then everything else can come later. And I think there's so many times when we forget that. And so I love this conversation that we've had today. I love that, you know, you're on this quest. Right to that's better. A quest. That's
1: what to, it is. I'm going to start yeah. using that word. It yeah, sounds you, more fun. I,
0: that's that's what you're on. <laughs> you're on a quest to really educate and inspire women to take care of themselves, right? And at the yeah, same time, you get yes. to take care of yourself in your recovery. Right. That's that is, is so beautiful. And for for mothers, right? We are the do do all. Yes. So any break that we can take is imperative. Right. Uh, every apple that we eat, every glass of water, every action that we can take to take care of ourselves really places us uh, closer to thriving.
1: Yes. And yeah. it doesn't look perfect. It's not going to look perfect. Uh-uh. I, I hate to be the one that breaks it to you. I'm sure they've already figured this out. They don't need me to tell them, but you know, it's not going to be perfect and that's okay. Yeah. But the minute oh, yeah. that you accept that it's going to be a little less than perfect, then you can start making progress. Mm-hmm. Really, you know, so yeah, it's fine. Some days you've got to just pull over because those Chick-fil-A do you have Chick-fil-A in San Francisco, by the way, or is that like a oh okay. Well, some of your listeners inevitably are in Chick-fil-A country out here in the south, and (sighs) they have they have waffle fries. That's what what you need to know about (laughs) yeah. So if you're ever traveling and you're like in a place that has Chick-fil-A, make sure you go. But you know, so it's okay. That's okay.
0: Well, it's okay because you tell yourself it's okay. Right. It's the dialogue in your head that says it's okay. Right. If you're, if you're, if you're worried or like, oh, that's not really good for my body. It's going to be super, it's going to go right to my derriere. Right. Like all of that, then it's not okay. It's not okay. Yeah. Talk
1: nicely to yourself.
0: Just talk nice to yourself.
1: And, and, you know, there are ways to be healthy And have pleasure in life and not feel crazy. Like those things are not mutually exclusive, which I think we're, we're sort of told they are that you have to pick one. Like you can be neurotic or you can be healthy or you can have fun, but you can't have do more than one, you know?
0: Oh my goodness. So it's so so right on Maggie. I just love this conversation and thank you so much for hanging out and sharing you know, your recovery with us and sharing the tips and the tools and practical insights on taking care of the temple.
1: Yes. <laughs> the temple. Thank you. Well, thank you for having me. This is a great conversation. It always goes in some direction. You sort of never know at the beginning, but it's, there's, there's so much value in this, in this dialogue. Cause I think it yes. really is
0: And it's ongoing, right? This is an ongoing conversation. So, where can the lovely ladies find you? Where Where should they go find you and follow you? Well, they
1: can find me. So, the the easy thing. My name is Maggie Landis, and L A N D E S. And my website is maggielandismd.com. And I'm on all the social media: Instagram, Facebook, you know, Twitter. No, don't don't do anything on Twitter. clubhouse is my new social media addiction and i'm maggie landis md everywhere i also i'm a podcaster because i like to talk so if your listeners are looking for another one to add to their you know download menu it's called the eatfluencer podcast and it's everywhere that all the podcast platforms that that they would find it so that's awesome
0: yes well thank you again for having me yes thank you so much Oh, my dear friend, may you find something bright, something light and something so delicious it fills you up so you can be the best you can be today. Take good care. Until next time. Thanks for listening. I'm excited for you to get your membership for all the juicy meditations to uplevel your recovery. Head on over to recoverlikeamother.com forward slash membership. I can't wait to help you till next episode. Take good care.